Podcast World 2, previously on Lost, episode number 100 and nothing. It's not even near 100 yet. Welcome to episode 47, guys. Uh, we are going to be talking about Live Together, Die Alone. I have on my notes parts 1 and 2 because in some places it came in two parts, but it is really just one episode on the DVD. So if you have the DVD set, it is one episode. We're going to talk about Live Together, Die Alone. And uh, the season two finale, we finally made it through two seasons of Lost. And things are about to start getting really good once we hit season three. And uh, but before we can get there, we have to talk about this one. And uh, we can't do I can't do it by myself. I have Steven and Corey with me. Guys, what's up? How's it going? Hi, brother. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> Just give me the one with the most caffeine. Somebody was going to do it. I knew it. Sorry, I spent all my American money. <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth. I what he spent all his American money on. Uh, for the cab ride, brother. <laughs> that's only have four that's quid. an expensive cab ride. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how are you, um, Mike? It's great to you know, doing, it's great to be I'm, in the Desmond era of Lost officially. That's right. This is kind of like the one that really just gets it going with him, man. This just is this is this is you're right. This begins Desmond. You know the the whole like except for the whole you know breaking open the 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 ship and finding like you know Desmond with no pants on in the bottom <laughs> of the boat drinking. It's, it's a little awkward meeting of him again, but hey, yeah. it's all right. Yeah, this episode goes, hey, remember that, like, random Scottish guy that was in the hatch? Yeah, he wasn't important. You may have not known, but he's actually the best character on the show. And we right. just, you know, we let him just float <laughs> float about in the sea for a full season and uh, pulled a right. fast one on you here. Because, in fact, he wasn't ever really supposed to, like, be a main character, but he had such a huge following, and people just loved him. So the hair, the the accent, the <laughs> charisma and the right. blue, sh- the blue shirt, which does he have the blue shirt yet? Or is that no, that's going to be I think, next season. Yeah, he doesn't have it now. He's got well, he's got a light blue shirt right now. Light blue, yeah. white kind of shirt. Once so. he gets that dark blue shirt, uh, you know, he's just, you know, everyone's sweetheart. Scott, Scotland's sweetheart. Right. That's right. <laughs> So let's talk about this episode, though. Uh, we've been on the island then for about 65 days. This, uh, so this episode is going to take place between uh, days 65 and 67. Uh, previously on Lost, Jack yells skeptically at Desmond about the button. Jack and Locke argue over the button's legitimacy. Locke watches the Pearl orientation film and laments, and laments the button's evident uselessness. Echo resolves to keep pushing it. Ms. B tells Michael to fetch four survivors, Jack, Kate, Sawyer, and Hurley, or risk never seeing Walt again. Michael kills Ana Lucia and Libby and sets Henry free. Michael insists on sticking to his plan, and Saeed expresses suspicions about him. A boat's arrival interrupts, interrupts the woman's funeral, the women's funeral. So I, I have to say, by the previously on Lost, 
it feels like longest previous on lost uh, openings in in the in the series. It's legit. It it's like a little short. It's like a short film right there. It got me. It got mm-hmm. me hyped. Like most of the time, we just, like, recap just, season two the whole yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, most of the time there's like some music in the background, but it doesn't necessarily like match the uh, you know the previously on lost segment. Like this one was like just. They, it almost sounded like they wrote, they scored a piece specifically for this, you know, this segment. Uh, I was like, yeah, that was awesome. Got me stoked. <laughs> Bonus check from Mike Giacchino. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. But it was good. It was good. So what? It's, so tell us a little bit about this episode, then, Corey. All right. So season two, episode 23, always special when it's. 23 as we know uh aired on may 24th 2006 directed by jack bender written by the you know of course carlton cuse and damon lindelof always a good sign and the summary is as follows after discovering a sailboat just offshore containing former hatch overseer desmond jack and saeed come up with a plan to confront the others and hopefully get walt back Meanwhile, Echo and Locke come to blows, literally, as Locke makes a potential cataclysmic decision regarding the button and the hatch. Dun, dun, dun. It's always good when you can throw in cataclysmic. That's a great <laughs> That's for, for right. summary. <laughs> oh. Uh, all right. We got some episode facts. Um, this two-part season ender was shot over a period of 17 days. By two crews simultaneously, it was only completed five days before transmission. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. um, the episode was split into two parts for international DVD releases, worldwide Blu-ray releases, and streaming, making the original U.S. DVD release the only official way to get the movie edit of the episode. And this was the final episode uh, to feature Malcolm David Kelly and Michelle Rodriguez, who played Walt and Anna Lucia, as main cast members. All right. All right. It, so it, it almost feels like there should be an in memoriam for them, at, even though they don't die, but they <laughs> right. They die as regular <laughs> cast members. That's true. <laughs> oh well, as far as as far as the the splitting it into episodes, Mike, you said you did you watch it on DVD. Yeah, so I watched and, it on DVD, and it was and, just one. It was the one movie episode that where it was just one long episode. So I actually I rewatched this one on um, Hulu, and it split it into two episodes, and and I, I definitely noticed that it was just a real weird play. Like they literally just they cut it off as Saeed was coming up to the the rock with the hole in it. It 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 really works better, I think, as a as a full episode. Uh, splitting it into two, I, I mean, I don't know why they need to do that for the you know the DVD re- or the Blu-ray release or whatever. But to me, it works a lot better as a one-parter. This is definitely one continuous story. Yeah, yeah. That point where they cut it is not actually like the end. It's not really a. It's not a very intense moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a regular scene and then oh yeah it's lost. like they just split they just split it you know split it wherever they split it in two so yeah well, was, well it it's split it there's like, some weird split it like desmond split kelvin inman's head oh <laughs> well there's some weird th- yeah <laughs> weird things that happen with like uh formatting some of these finales the, the worst one we'll talk about 
eventually is the actual series finale where they cut it so that it would be short enough to um you know air on tv because it was too long to fit in like a perfect hour they cut it just so it fit so they could play reruns and then hulu and netflix whoever both of them when they had it uh they just put on those versions and like you couldn't actually watch the regular finale for a while. And then, and then finally fans clamored and they put, it's called the uncut version, but that is really misleading. Cause it's not on, that's just the regular version. The other yeah. ones, uh, it's, that's a pet peeve of mine, but let's talk about season two, I guess. Yeah. Right. That's right. All right. So let's, so kind of give, we're going to kind of give like an illustration of almost, I would say of how we're going to do the next season when we start, uh, we're going to kind of change around a little bit of the format of this. So I've kind of, I kind of thrown, probably thrown a curveball at the guys right now. Um, but the kind of way, the way I've got my notes split up is, is we're going to look at different stories um, throughout. Cause especially when we get into season three, there's going to be multiple storylines going on simultaneously on different parts and uh, so we're going to kind of look at those storylines in each episode individually. So, so for the first one, let's let's talk a little bit about Desmond's story as far as like the backstory goes, the flashbacks. Um, his flashbacks, I think, are some of the best flashbacks we get in the series in this episode. Um, so much it feels like it's jam packed into this little over an hour episode. Um, of Desmond's flashbacks, we get we see Desmond meet Libby, um, and he kind of you got me put out earlier. I read out of all my American dollars, but he he met a very sane Libby, um, <laughs> with an we, insane haircut. Sorry. For real, it did not. By the way, that haircut did not fit her. Anyways, um, <laughs> but I'm not a fashion person. Um, so she she was she, she was ahead of the curve. That's like Lady Gaga. That's that's what it is. <laughs> so she offers him the boat. Um, because they're gonna do it for love. That to me, okay. I'm sorry, but I will say to me that is still one of the corniest lines I've ever heard in the show. <laughs> I'm gonna win this race for love. <laughs> it's just, yeah. So but you know, I, I think I think it works because it's Desmond. You know, we, we see you know we see Desmond, and this is who he is. I mean, his his really his whole story is about how in love he is with Penny and. I think, you know, it, it may not work for some other characters, but I thought it worked for Desmond. Maybe it's just the accent. I don't know. You know, they must have a lot of confidence in Henry Ian Cusick because, yeah, when you read some of these lines, some of this Desmond stuff can, if you were just read it on a page, really come across as corny. Just like, you know, quintessential um, textbook love story. But... He pulls it off. Sonia Walger, is that, how you, is that her last name? Um, she pulls it off. Like, they they deliver, and they make this so believable that, like, yeah, there's, like, that line is corny. But, like, the Desmond story, I think, in general, like, throughout the whole series, there's very few moments that you would it say, is. like, oh, that's super corny. Uh, but that the scene with Libby is is one of them. <laughs> it is. But it, and, the, and the love story between him that you see between him and 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 uh and penny is just absolutely great which speaking of penny this we finally get to see penny we we hear about we heard about penny at the beginning of season two with desmond and now we finally actually get we saw her maybe in a picture frame of course remember it was a different woman in the picture frame in the hatch than we actually get um i would love to go find some casting information about 
how they cast her and just like these two like what if the chemistry was a big part of it but uh maybe i'll look into the the dvds again <laughs> see if that's in there I, I will say even if chemistry was not a big part of it can i tell you they had excellent chemistry together on yeah. the show it's yeah it's fantastic it's just uh, immediate and you were talking about being one of the best flashbacks one of the best stories i would say this is like me it has to be the most complete flashback story we get of any character and it, it definitely rivals the most detailed because if you think about it so this is a two-part finale not two-part but two-hour finale all of the flashbacks are about desmond a lot of the finales the flashbacks will be split between multiple characters you have season three finale is all about jack but it's like so vague and misleading we get the um, big reveal at the end, but still, it's not quite the same. It's not telling this whole, this like deep, long story. And then the other one would be the Richard Alpert flashback, which is like basically one episode that's all a flashback. So I'd say those are like the three most detailed um, flashbacks. But this one, I think, just like takes, you know, takes the award because it tells like a story over several years. Like we get all these different parts of it, and it's very complete. Like this could be its own film. Yeah, absolutely. I I know I personally I remember watching this finale and just liking it so much. It was, it was so cool the fact that they took this character Desmond and you know made the whole finale. You know, not just an episode of the show, but the finale of the season was about this character. You know, this is the first flashback that isn't one of our you know main you know main cast members. And the fact that they did for the finale, the, this you know new character pretty much, and it works so well just because it's such a great character and because him and Penny, the, the story is so compelling. Um, I, I love this finale. I got to say, I mean, th- this was one of those. To me, this is probably my favorite finale of all of them. And it, it was Whoa. because of the... I think the the choice to to make it a Desmond um, episode is really what drew me to it, and I, I really like this finale. I think I, that was also a risk, though, because if you think absolutely. about it, you're you're good, you're expanding a finale on somebody that has never had a flashback really done about him, a brand new character, and you're going to use a whole time slot of a finale. On this guy. Yeah, and it's him, but it also tells the story of the hatch in a way. But but yeah, you're committing to this new character. It is risky. And this is, I would say, probably the... the, Not Outland. This is... this. (laughs) No pun intended here, but this finale is out on an island. While the other ones are kind of like, like... Are more similar to each other. Every other finale is a lot there's a lot more action there's a lot more trekking and yeah i know that jack and kate and hurley do trek across the island and michael but they that story is kind of like a red herring in that they just get caught and there's still like 30 30 minutes left in the episode and that and then it's all centered still around the hatch and uh desmond Locke and a lot of desmond's backstory like if you It'd be interesting to know exactly how long Desmond's backstory is in this episode. It feels like it's almost half, but it's probably probably more like a third. But it's still a lot of airtime is this backstory. 
and it's a very different um, tone to the other finales. Every other finale is like they're great. I love them, but they're like so action packed, and it's just. I think you could see like the season five finale. There's a little bit of though it's great, a little exhaustion of like maybe too much of the same thing. Um, and this one stands out. And just to conclude what I'm saying here, it stands out. And so for some people, they think this is the worst finale. You could see, I read a few lists uh, about lost finales ranked. A lot of people put this at the bottom, which I totally disagree with that. I think people just think about like what happened, like what was like the big plot elements, but it's not always about the plot elements as much like the full story. So, and I, I gotta say too, we learned so much this episode. I mean, we got the answer of why the plane crashed. You know, that's one of the, the big, you know, original yeah. questions of the show. And we got, the, we got the answer right here. Maybe the biggest um, question. Yeah. And, you know, at the time, I, I think as a viewer, I know I was kind of left saying, is that, is that really what happened? You know? And as we watch the rest of the show, yeah, that that's what crashed their plane is, is Desmond not, you know, not pushing the button when he's out there at the rocks um, with Inman. But there was just so many cool parts of this backstory. You know, we meet, obviously, Penny and Widmore, who Widmore becomes a huge part of the show. We get to see Libby again. We're left with so many questions about Libby after they just killed her off. We get to see her again. Um, You know, we see the boat. We hear, you know... Named after her husband, David, you know, makes us wonder about, you know, who that is. And we get to see one of my fa- one of my favorite scenes, the the state, the running in the stadium. We get an add on to that. You know, we've already seen that scene, um, but now we get to see something we didn't know about it, which is he had just finished having a, a really intense talk with Penny right before he meets Jack on the stairs. And um that I mean that scene there with Penny, it, it, great, and it it really tells us you know that quote with enough money and determination you can find anyone. I mean that's really what leads to our people finally getting rescued in a few seasons. It's you know Penny's not gonna give up until she finds Desmond, and you know we get all of that here in this one flashback. And, yeah, Desmond has such a cool backstory. He's he's like Forrest Gump or something, where it's like just <laughs> so many different stages to it. And we get we get a few big pieces in this episode, and then next season they're gonna fill in like all of the the gaps. Um, and it's just, it's like a be it's like a beautiful tapestry in the end. <laughs> it but, is. <laughs> oh no, I was just gonna say that it it is. It really comes across as something that is. I, I would almost say it does take up about half the episode um, of his backstory. It's almost like like they're giving you the hamburger and the bun, and then in the season three and four, they're going to start adding in the lettuce, tomatoes, and that kind of thing. You know, they're giving you the whole meal, but they're just, they're saving the sides for later. But yeah, it, it, it's really good. Um, so we get this Desmond backstory with him and Penny, and then uh, and we get we, we we see old Kelvin Inman again. Of course, we know him by another name from early in your season with dealing with Saeed. Um, well, we get old Kelvin here. Uh, so what did you guys think of of this? Did so when he so when he hit the button in the hatch 
And then Desmond asked him, what are you doing? And he said, just saving the world. Did it look like very forced? Like he was just like he was he like he was playing the act on there. <laughs> I, see, I don't know, but he hard for me to say on that. But it, there's so many like great just like classic moments. And that's one of them for me. Just just saving the world. And then just that that character, he is very mysterious. You can't tell like how much he believes like how invested he is and like it's just a he's a bizarre guy i mean steven what do you what do you think <laughs> i i mean i definitely got the impression it was a guy who's just tired of hitting that button you know <laughs> i got this the whole exasperated oh you know just saving the world no you know same thing i do every 108 minutes save the world um, but I did think it was funny because we, you know we previously saw desmond give that answer you know when it was was it locker or Jack, who you know asked him what he was doing, and he said, you know, saving the world. I think <laughs> so. Was, you know, I think we, we see Jack. where he got that. Yeah, yeah. Where where he got that from? Um. So, it, so when we, when we talk about Kelvin, do we ever find out how he ended up on the island? I don't believe we do. So there's this big gap in the story that I would love to find out how how he ended up from dealing with Saeed in Iraq to ended up on the island. I have definitely always wondered that myself. That was kind of one of those. How did this? Yeah. How did this guy get down there? I I mean, I think he he kind of gives the answer here this episode, doesn't he? You know, he says that. I mean, I think he got he got recruited to him somehow. So I mean, he does give a little bit of an answer in this episode. I I didn't write it down, but yeah, um, yeah, that's kind of what he said. So we but, see, but Kelvin. it, it, it goes back to the the whole season two thing that they were really into all these character connections. And every time you saw one of these, like, hey, th- that's the guy from Saeed's backstory, you know. And some people made yep. that connection, some people didn't. But it was one of those you know, character connections that really made season two a lot of fun. Um, and then uh, of course we, we, we get to see, you know, his contributions to the blast door map, which, you know, that was kind of fun. You know, we learned about Rosinski started the blast door map and we see him triggering the lockdown that, you know, kind of, we've seen the lockdown in another way. And now we get to see him kind of, using using the lockdown to just hang out and draw a map yeah yeah every everything is is weaved so well together in this episode or this season it connects you know those moments from earlier seeing like and they're going to use the lockdown um you know lock and desmond to you know get in at the end it's like a major part of everything in this episode um i i love seeing the stain of Ritzinski. Yeah. <laughs> to me, that's one of the craziest things still that they make some just like quick reference. See that stain? That's Ritzinski. And you think that's a funny name. Like that's an interesting name. That's like it, it puts, uh, you know, it definitely puts an exclamation point on the hatch experience and what it does to you me- mentally. And then the fact that you actually get this guy, like a, a bunch of this guy. In a re- in a season later on, and he's just a full, fully fledged, you know, developed character. I mean, not super developed, but say, it's just weird. It, it's, it's kind of funny too. You know, we've seen how he ends up, and then when we meet the character, 
we're not that sorry for him. You know, it's like yeah. he's such a horrible character. <laughs> like true. you're, you're kind of, you, you know, I know it's horrible, but you're not that sad that that he ended up a, a stain on the ceiling. <laughs> he was awful. <laughs> yeah, he he was awful. He was. Uh... I mean, he hid he he hid Desmond's boat and lied to him about it the whole time. Kelvin, yeah. Well, that that was Inman, yeah. Um, do we see that this rocky cliff area where he stores that boat? We see this some other time, don't we? But it's really a cool scene, you know, cool yeah. area there. This uh, comes up a few random times. I believe I remember in Follow the Follow the Leader, maybe the one where they're like trekking when. Uh, 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 the newly uh, revived Locke is trekking with Ben and all the others. I think they walk across this area. Mm-hmm. Um, when they and went then, to get the dynamite originally with Arts, they they crossed the career, I believe, they, too. Um, you're going to see it again, I think, when... I think at the end of Season 3, when they're trying to make it to the tower. Oh, yeah. The group's going to travel that way. This would be on my list. Group. This would be definitely this would definitely be on my list of lost locations to visit if yes. I could find it in on in Hawaii. <laughs> just to, like so, chill on these rocks. But you know, yeah, I have, to, I have to say about the Inman the the death sequence. Like, I actually don't blame Inman for this whole thing. Like, he feels completely stuck. Yeah, he was bad. I mean, you know, he lied. He was deceptive about this whole thing, but. He didn't know who Desmond was, you know, and he saw a way out. I get it. He's desperate. And then he's going to he, right then he was going invi- to decided to invite Desmond and Desmond kind of loses it. Uh, I usually defend Desmond on everything, but yeah, he lost his cool. And I know it was an accident, but it, you know, shouldn't have been so harsh on the guy. Well, he he threw him off of him, and he hit the he hit the rock. It was an accident. Things happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I, I mean, this I, is I, uh, it's just a murder, but close to it. <laughs> I did I did think it was kind of funny. I, I as I was watching it, and Desmond was following him. I was thinking to myself, it's like he's following him awful close. Like he's not being very subtle about this. And then for you know, and then to to say you know, hey, I, I was a what do you say? I was a I was a spook. I know when I'm being followed. <laughs> I, I didn't think yeah. it was funny because he wasn't being very subtle about it. He was right on his tail. <laughs> also, right. just a fun note uh, for the present time here. The the moment where you know Desmond first leaves the hatch and he has the his like thing pulled up over his face, the neck thing, uh, yep. as a mask. That was <laughs> at least for at least at least like nine months. That was. Henry Ian Cusick's uh, profile picture last year, like like in 2020 amidst the <laughs> pandemic. Perfect, perfect profile picture for him. Perfect. I was like, that's pretty cool for an actor to be able to take a picture, like a not a big moment, like a random small moment from like 10, 15 years before, and you know, that's terrible. He he he, he yeah. was wearing masks before they were popular. That's so. <laughs> so speaking of so speaking of the backstory, let's move in. Then I guess into another storyline. Let's talk about the hatch, since we're kind of since we're kind of around that area, anyways. We have the whole um, John Echo and um, of course Desmond shows back up again, but John Echo and and Charlie hatch experience. Cool. So what you guys? Some about John's crisis of faith. 
Okay, so John has these moments of crisis of faith, like multiple times to the show. But I think this is the one where it's probably, I would say, the worst out of all of them. Um, oh yeah, I'm not pushing I, the button. Okay, the only the only one, and I don't mean to laugh, but honestly, the only one that was worse is you know his final crisis of faith where he was going to kill himself. But defend Locke there, he was totally deceived by the smoke monster and Richard Alpert, you know, not on purpose. So, but he was pretty, pretty. Well, he was, possessed by the, he was possessed by the man in black at the time. So he man yeah. in black knew if he could just get the island to be seen. <laughs> so, okay. But well, to more seriously answer your question. Yeah, this is, this seems like Locke's like, at least this is, Locke loses his faith in that episode, but it's really a small chunk of time at the end of the episode. This Locke has been basically without his, you know, patented destiny faith mentality for, you know, five, six episodes here. And this is where it gets to its worst. He, you know, he confronts Echo, Echo. Uh, he tries to take his Jesus stick. Never take Echo's Jesus stick. Like that's rule number one. And Echo is not happy. Punches John or whatever. He gives him a. Uh, he knocks him the shiver. What? What? I'm not sure what he does. Is it the stick that he? Anyways, he hits John. He throws him out. You're yeah. free. You know he has a a good witty line as he <laughs> as he kicks him out. And Locke is like crying out in the jungle. I mean, I just you, you feel bad for the guy. And I don't feel see, bad for John. That was so awkward to see him just crying on a log because he got kicked out of a hatch. Well, well, the, I mean, you have no heart then. I have, I have I, zero heart. He got kicked out of a hatch, well, <laughs> and he didn't get kicked well, out of the hatch. He just got kicked out of the room. Well, I, I think this is where something kind of interesting happens. This, I mean, this is where Charlie sees him. And, you know, tells him that his friend from the hatch is back, which, which you know, leads to the action from the rest of this episode. But I, I did think it was interesting. We, we've had the Charlie and Locke dynamic has been so back and forth. You know, we've had they were, you know, Locke helped him get off drugs in the first season. Then they had their big falling out this season with the whole baby snatching, punching scenario and Claire and then, you know, we just saw Locke see him throw away his drugs. So there's really been a lot of back and forth with Charlie and Locke. And I was kind of just struggling to figure out Charlie's motivation here when he, you know, he he, he had a, a certainly a smile on his face as he was telling Locke his his friend was back. And I, what, I was wondering, what do you guys think? What, what was Charlie's motivation here? Was he, you know, trying to cause problems for Locke or, or was he trying to be helpful? Oh, he was trying to cause problems. I a hundred percent. To me, there was definitely some snarkiness when he pulls up on Locke <laughs> and Locke is crying. Like he's like, "Oh yeah, this guy that like straight up like bothered me the whole time, or mocked me and punched me. Oh yeah, I'm gonna make fun of this guy because he is just <laughs> he, he's crying like a baby up in the woods." So I think Charlie looked at it as, "Oh, <laughs> how can I get revenge?" By the way, your buddy is back at the hatch and um. <laughs> <laughs> it's Charlie revenge a hundred percent at least to me yeah I think Charlie sees him and he sees an opportunity to kind of rub salt in the wound after 
you know, this is this is everything has come full circle. Earlier this season, uh, Charlie was being erratic. Locke punched him in the face, knocked him to the ground, and you know, it, it was uh, he felt shame out of the whole thing. Now Locke has been punched. He's out here crying in you know feeling shameful or whatever. And so I think it's Charlie's getting some satisfaction seeing um, you know Locke get his uh, come up it's here or whatever. The shoe is on the other foot. So yeah, of course Charlie he's kind of leading them, but I also think they this is part of just with the right to they have to be directed to Desmond. And this is a great way to kind of conclude that story arc between those two characters, like how things have flipped around. So I don't know what Charlie's really, I think if Charlie knew what it was going to lead to, he may have not done it, but at the same time, um, he's definitely satisfied. (laughs) Well, I mean, this is really the big, the big turnaround for Charlie. You know, he's, he's season two has been a rough one for Charlie you know, he kind of started getting back on track with Echo, and then Mr. Echo, you know, left him, you know, to go push the button. And so, you know, Charlie's had a, a rough season, but, you know, this is kind of the episode where Charlie gets back on track. Um, obviously, we're going to see it to the conclusion when he comes back to the camp and, you know, shares a moment with Claire. And then, you know, going into season the three, it seems like... Sesh. <laughs> It, it, it seems like season three, Charlie and Claire are kind of like the the heart of the camp with with the rest of our, you know, main heroes being gone with the others. You know, we really get Charlie and Claire, you know, back together, kind of leading the camp um, emotionally, at least uh, in the third season. So, we, you know, Charlie's really come full circle this season. And, you know, this is kind of a big he's not a huge part of this episode, but he is very involved. Um, And after Mr. Echo really, really treated him lousy, you know, told him, you know, bring me my things. You know, he's not going to work on the church with him. Then Mr. Echo has to go back to him and ask for help getting the hatch open. And, And, you know, Charlie goes along with it. You know, at first he's not going to. But then he says, you know, every if we don't do this, everybody on this island's going to die in 90 minutes. And Charlie's like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to help you then. <laughs> yeah. He, you know, he he's doesn't have a huge part in this uh, finale, but it's more than people probably remember when you think back about this, this episode, because, uh, you know, the, the essentially the second half of the episode is kind of this, Desmond and Locke versus Charlie and Echo situation. And then the whole, f- it's the other interesting thing about this lost episode is usually things will end on like an intense cliffhanger. There is still a cliffhanger, but we have like this, the main part of the episode, the climax is over. And then there's actually some falling action in this episode, which is very rare for lost. We kind of have this like chill extra five minutes of just like Charlie and other people at the camp, but it's definitely, it's, I would say it's kind of like Charlie's perspective. It's showing him walk back and see everybody and interact with Bernard and random people. And so I I like the way that this episode kind of respects Charlie's character and his episode like growth, because I feel like he gets, he got shafted a little bit earlier this season and 
He's supposed to be an important character, and often he can be left out. So, yeah. Well, I don't know if it was really Echo and Charlie versus Locke and um, uh, uh, Desmond. I think it was more along the lines of Echo and here comes Charlie following along. He didn't. He he wasn't really trying to get in the hatch. He could have cared really less of what was going on. I think he was just kind of there because he knew where the dynamite was too. Well, I don't know if I agree with that because Echo comes to him and Charlie, you could tell, doesn't want to help Echo. And then he says, like, 90 minutes, if we don't do this, everyone on this island is going to die. So Charlie, now he we've they've kind of established that him and Claire uh, have, you know, renewed their relationship a little bit. And so he has this motivation of like, all right, 90 minutes, I, I can't risk that. I need to try to do this to save Claire, I think is what going on in his head there um but then charlie is the more sane one which is great to see him be the more sane one because because let's talk about echo a little bit more here echo is cool in this episode but we also see him kind of lose it and i get his motivation is very strong because what he thinks is going to happen but he almost is acting a little bit like Locke in that he's being reckless he's you know the dynamite the whole that whole scene like he could have killed him and charlie easily and almost did so i mean that's almost easily get he could have easily given charlie more warning to get out of the way you know he really just lit that dynamite way too fast yeah and it's totally a it's it's absolutely a throwback to the moment in season one where Locke lights the dynamite when hurley's yelling like stop 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 don't do it it's the exact same thing. Charlie's yelling, stop, like, no, that's like, there's not enough line or whatever. Uh, so it just shows, like, these two characters that have this faith um, mentality that sometimes, like, they get wrapped up in their own selfishness. Um, I mean, not that, I mean, Echo is trying to do the right thing. It's, well, it, he, he was. He was, it was a different, it was a different avenue of faith because you had, you know, Locke had faith in the fact that the butt was crap. And Echo had faith that the button was necessary. And they both had their faith tested, although we get that line at the end where Locke says, I was wrong, of course. And then the big cliffhanger, we don't know what happened to Locke and Echo. Everybody thinks they're, you know, they went bye-bye. Um, and of course, we all thought Desmond went bye-bye, too, because no, nobody thought Desmond. I don't think they intended for Desmond to come back after season two. Um, so that's kind of why he, he, he was going to turn the key, and I guess that'd be it. Um, yeah, and in season three, we get to wait like three or four episodes before we find out who's still alive. Naked, but alive. Because <laughs> <laughs> apparently the electromagnetism can rip off your clothes as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, Desmond realized, of course, in the, in the thing that he, he crashed the plane and he told John, you know, we have to, we have to, we have to push that button and nope, that didn't work. Did, did did Echo really think though that trying to blow that door was actually going to work in such a sealed location? I mean, it's dynamite. I I would assume it would blow open a door. <laughs> you know, he he's I think he he decided to do that when he crawled out of the hatch and saw that it had blown open the door with the quarantine on it. So I mean, he had seen that dynamite will blow open a door involved in this hatch. So, I mean, I think it was a reasonable plan. I just don't think he executed it real safely. (laughs) Yeah. 
pretty yeah pretty awesome moment though i i love when he climbs out up the it, yeah this it totally bookends this season again i know i've said that multiple times but you know started with Locke cr- climbing down that uh lock and kate climbing down the wire and then now we have the end is echo climbing back up out of it uh which brings <laughs> us back to that that uh premiere and uh his whole this whole plan here and I think one of the coolest moments, very memorable, is when he grabs Charlie's belt and he rips it <laughs> off and just throws it into the air. And yep. that's a moment where you really go, oh, okay, I, th- I get why Echo is acting this way. Like, he is being irrational in a way, like, he's being extremely dangerous. But I get it. Like, you see, like, when he throws that that belt, um, you you understand, like, why he thinks this is so important. Well, I also got to say, did anybody find it weird once we see in the in the flashback that Desmond saw what happened when he didn't push these numbers? You know, he got back into the into the hatch and things were flying around. You know, the the magnetism. He saw the magnetism. He saw what was happening. So when Locke tells him, you know, this was all, uh, you know, a psychological experiment. It the. Desmond only, you know, comes around when he when he realizes the time that on on the printout that it happened on the day that his plane crashed. But but he knew something bad happened when you didn't press that button. So I couldn't figure out why he went along with Locke's plan here up to the point that he did. Well, I think some of it is like Desmond just came off of a multi-week bender out on the sea <laughs> he's trying to sail home and you know he's just stuck in a bloody snow globe like he he actually has come to the thought like i know how to sail i'm i am a trained you know sailor or whatever you want to call it and i cannot sail away from this island like i keep coming back like this would actually drive you insane you're like in a twilight zone episode and he's losing his mind. He's just been apparently drinking all of the wine and liquor that <laughs> Dharma had. And he, now he's finally run out after weeks. And so, I, I mean, this guy, he's not in the right mindset. He is ready to just, you know, he he's lost everything as far as he's concerned. And uh, so I think as he's back in the hatch and he's like talking through things with law he starts to think a little bit more clearly starts to remember things you know the first thing he does is he asks oh well can i see the video of from the pearl like i want to like what because it sounds fishy to him to him it's like oh well what if it's just the other guys that are being watched and he's like oh what type of equipment were there was there because like this equipment is pretty legit like i wonder what their equipment was like and you find out it's just a room with tv so it sounds like that is maybe the fake station and then, you know, okay, well, uh, we should not do this. Let's watch the video first. No, no, and he gets then he gets the paperwork. And we talked about it a couple episodes. Like, who knew that that printout would be one of the most significant plot points in the whole series because it tells us what you know, how it how the plane crashes. What did right. you guys think? Like, to me, when I first watched this, I I think I was definitely skeptical, like that it actually was the hatch that crashed the plane. But then as you, you know, maybe after a couple, you know, season three or whatever, you go, oh, OK, like that was legit. Like that wasn't disproven ever. Well, I knew it had to be something. I just didn't know what it was. 
Um, and this seemed like the best logical theory to me that something had so, so, something had happened. I just didn't know what. So it didn't really catch me off guard. I didn't really have a hard time disbelieving it. But it was because um, it was the only thing I had at the moment. I didn't, they couldn't think of anything else. I could rip a plane apart in half in the sky. And, well, it's going to be – well, I think my skepticism it, at first was like at the end of this – episode like we have the whole like the big the light in the air the uh, you know the, the light in the sky i mean and the sound and everything like oh okay like it was real but then he does everything is fine so i think people were kind of like questioning like okay like what how you know like did it really crash the plane like there, there's still a lot of deception that people suspect and i think immediately in season three within the first few episodes, it's going to reconfirm all this stuff because from seeing the the plane crash from the, the perspective of the survivors first, then hearing Desmond's backstory, and then we're going to get the little flashback, you know, seeing it from the other's point of view, seeing it in the sky, it just puts it all together perfectly and <clears throat> yeah. confirms all this stuff. I, I know when I when I was watching it, I, I also was skeptical originally, uh, just for the reason that Lost was kind of known for every time they answered a question, they, you know, asked you two more. You know, for every answer you got, you were left with more questions. But here, I think we, we legitimately got an answer. And I think, yeah, I probably didn't believe that this was the actual answer at the time. But, um, but yeah, they actually gave us this major, major answer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think one could argue that this is maybe the best episode for giving answers in lost. There's a lot of good, there's a lot of answers that are given later. Some of them are not as good. And then like what Steven says is usually the case where it's like one answer and like five questions. This episode was actually, I think more answers than questions. Yeah, you have a lot of questions about Desmond and other things, but Really, there's way more things answered and uh, put together. Hey, we just I know it's not a total answer, but it's at least a half answer for Libby. We, we yeah. mentioned it a little bit earlier, but the fact that we learned that her husband died and she's obviously in a state of, you know, a challenging state at the, at the time. Like, oh, OK, that must be why she goes into the mental institution. But, with, you know. We wish there was more to it than that. Right. Um. All right. Well, let's kind of move away then from Desmond and the Hatch. We've spent a good bit of this podcast talking about them. <laughs> yeah, should we? And, and let's 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 talk about let's talk about our our island trekkies here with the whole Jack, Kate, uh, Sawyer, Hurley, and Michael group trekking across the island. Um, generally speaking, a majority of the episode was spent on watching them cross the island. Um, getting the other side, we don't, it seems like there's a big gap from them getting captured to actually, um, seeing what happens after they get captured. Um, well, I would say it's not that this story is kind of like front loaded. So there's a lot more of this stuff in the, the first half of the episode. Yes. And I think I mentioned like, then they get captured pretty quickly in the second hour or second 45 minutes or whatever, second half. And then there's like a huge chunk where like we don't there's like 20 minutes where they don't go back to this at all because they're just like kneeling on the <laughs> pier forever with the, the um, whatever blindfolds on, which I really like this because I think it's it's kind of like a 
going against your expectations. You think these are like the most heroic characters. You've got Jack, Kate, and Sawyer. And, you know, Hurley's had this great, like, feel-good story this season. You got Saeed on the boat. Like, these are your biggest heroes. And they fail. Saeed and Sun and Jin don't, they find nothing. So they fail. Uh, they all get captured. Michael, who's the guy who just murdered two women in cold blood, he gets away with his son, Scott Free. So this sometimes it's good for your heroes to to fail. It's it keeps things um, you know, Fresh. it keeps the stakes high. If they always just get away unscathed, <laughs> then it's, uh, it diminishes it. So yeah, to me I, I like it. It's not really a twist, but in a way it is. And I think it all to me, I mean, just the coolest scene has to be when they come up to the field with all of the pneumatic tube cylinders. Yes. You know, with all the notebooks. Like, one of the weirdest, creepiest scenes of Lost just gives you strange vibes just seeing that location. And then they all get shot, and they get like, kind of like a horror movie. It's like they almost look like zombies approaching them. And, uh, yeah, I, I just love that sequence. Yeah, it was really good. There was so many tubes. I don't remember there being that many tubes. I, I, I haven't watched this finale in a while, and I remember they found a big pile of tubes, but I didn't remember how many there were. Like, some like thousand. people, yeah, people had been filling those notebooks for a long time. It's like years and, but you worth know what, of tubes. Though? For some for some reason, I wasn't expecting them to come up on these tubes. For some reason, I thought that was later on in season three when they're making the trek to the radio tower. For some reason, that's when I thought they found the tubes. I, I it just didn't hit me like, oh crap, this is where they find the tubes. See, I I remembered this is where they found the tubes, but I didn't remember that's when they got caught. I didn't remember that was in the same area. Yeah, when they when they got taken. So that that one caught me off guard, and. I gotta say, what are these bullets? Like, where did the Dharma people or the others get these electrocuting bullets? Like, what was that? <laughs> well, uh, when you make a wholesale purchase on pneumatic uh, tube cases, <laughs> you get like 20 rounds of these shock bullets. So. Oh, my. <laughs> I don't know. They don't seem to ever use them again, but it is kind of cool. <laughs> I mean, they they were really crazy. You know, you see Sawyer down there just, you know, twitching around. You see Jack trying to to walk through it, trying to carry Kate to safety. And, you know, it hits him in the leg and takes it down. I mean, it was really kind of a crazy scene. Well, I, I, I will say one of the funniest scenes to me, though, is when Jack gets, like, all defensive and just starts firing bullets off into the woods. This, this oh, yeah. It's such a funny moment to me for some reason. I just don't, I don't get it. It's just so it's, funny looking. It's beautiful. And then he picks up Kate, puts him on his back. He's like, screw the rest of you guys. Like, Kate and I are getting out of here. Guns blazing. <laughs> yeah. Poor Hurley's just, co- Hurley just covering his head, run, you know, running for his life. What I think oh this moment is all about is like this episode loves it's like screwing with us. Like I, I said how there's a lot of answers given in this episode, which is true. But it, it really is trying to like play with us back and forth about the hatch thing because they want to raise the intensity, the drama of like, is the hatch real or not? Like people didn't know. Like people were questioning back and forth. And so you find uh you're like, well, are they are the others aren't they just like faking everything? We've already been shown that. 
And like, but so like, what, what are these people really like? And then you're out in the, the field, you find all the, the, the notebooks, you're like, oh crap. So like the hatch is real, this is fake. And then just like the, the, whatever shock bullet things, taser bullets, like, I think it's to kind of just screw with us. Like, oh, like who are these people? And just, just make everything uncertain. Uh, right. And it does a really good job of of setting that up. Like we thought we had an idea of who the others were, and now I'm really confused. It's like I don't know. It could be a lot of different things. So, but it but all, that uncertainty, you know, makes the tension of the final, um, you know, half hour of that episode much higher with the hatch yeah. stuff. We don't we don't really have much at the beginning with them. Um, of this season, of course, we know, you know, I, I did appreciate the way Sun got, got pretty much got big with Jen and said, hey, I'm coming with you. Uh, and Saeed, I appreciated her doing that. And then, um, of course, they, so they, they, they take off and and they sail. Saeed doesn't find anything at the other's camp, which I'd really, nobody ever really thought they were probably going to find anything anyways at that camp. Um, and then you have... Um, Oh shoot! What was I gonna say? Well, I, I was gonna say just to mention it, and then you could bring go back to that. But the beginning is great when they swim out. I love what is it? Uh, Jack uh, Sawyer and Saeed swim out mm-hmm. to the boat, and you know there's guns shooting out from there, and uh, it's just a really cool, cool opening. And yeah, and it, it perfectly sets the sets up Saeed's Saeed's plan. You know, we need the element of surprise. You know, so. I, I don't think Saeed has it's a it's a decent plan, but it's really counting on you figuring out the how to meet up later, which is not very easy to do. I think Saeed would have been better off just going with like sneaking behind them, but it probably would have been hard to do. And, and you know, I agree. It's it, but it just seems like as much as these guys have outsmarted them, I don't. I don't see how Saeed could not have seen that these guys were probably outsmarting him in this way too. But that's just me on that part. Well, a, a couple other things from that, from that first scene there. I did um, notice that once again, Charlie did not, you know, when we find out later that Charlie's a good swimmer, here's another chance, you know, where Charlie keeps his swimming ability to himself. You know, we had the, the Joanne incident in season one. And, and here again, you know, it's not a surprise that it's Jack Sawyer and Saeed are our, our heroes that go out and swim to the boat, but can't help but think of Charlie in that, in that moment. And also that kind of a cool little <laughs> continuity, continuity thing is, is that they still, when Sawyer took his shirt off, you can still see he's got still like a, a wound from where, from the bullet hole in the spot where he got shot. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of a nice com- continuity thing yeah that was a big deal earlier this season he was down and out for a while <laughs> yeah, yeah so, well, charlie doesn't want to charlie doesn't want to uh he's he's a humble guy he doesn't want to reveal his superpower yet <laughs> that's what it is he moves in he's a real he's a true gangster right you know he's silent about his doesn't need to boast <laughs> It seemed like the it seemed like the boat was pretty far out, and they got there pretty fast. But I don't know. they were desperate. yeah. As an ex, uh, as an ex 
swim instructor, I would say fantastic form by <laughs> everybody, especially Jack, though. They have that underwater shot. He's uh, got great, impeccable form. It's all about keeping your head down. If you have your head up, it's going to screw up your all your forms. And your shirt on, too, because... Yeah. Though I would not su- I would not suggest <laughs> swimming in jeans, but if you're on network TV, you kind of have to. And, you don't, and you're shredded on the island. You don't have much of a choice. Yeah, it's not the best swimwear jeans. No. So I do I do have a question though. So these others are supposed to be like master followers and like sneaky. You can't catch them. You can't find them. And we get that for like two seasons now, nobody has been able to cat to find, not even Russo has been able to find the whispers or the others unless they want to be found. But yet somehow all of a sudden in season two, Kate's able to spot two of them across the river as she's walking without making, even looking that direction. I'm sitting thinking how in the world, if these guys are supposed to be untrackable, this Kate able to pick up on him and go, and Rousseau hadn't been able to do it in 16 years. I, I'm, I'm just curious. Well, well, Mike, it's like just because I'll just they're in the dark territory. That's why. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> I gotta say, it feels like you're underselling Kate a little bit here, Mike. I mean, she, you know, she's a very, very capable warrior here. I, but Rousseau hasn't been able to do it for 16 years, is my is my point. And Rousseau's uh, a pretty good tracker. And she hasn't been able to do it for 16 years. She hasn't been able to find <laughs> them unless they want to be found. And we'll, yet, ha- we'll have to, to credit Kate's, um, no. you know, stepdad, adopted dad, military man, must have trained her right. No. No. <laughs> so what's happening here? Yeah, okay, what's happening here is Kate... Or they, the others know that Michael is supposed to be coming with with them, you know, now that Henry has been set free. So they have a bunch of scouts out there looking for them and they are walking by the creek. And I mean, yeah, I get it. It is weird. Like this is like one of the few times when the others are just like seen so easily. And I don't know, I guess they were confident. They didn't think they'd be seen over there. But, I, you know, they're, I think that they're out like trying to figure out when Michael is coming so that they can, you know, um, you know, spring the trap. Or they just, the writers needed a plot point to be able to get Jack mad enough to tell everybody, Michael, why don't you just tell them the truth? Well, I, I gotta say though, that, that did lead into what I think was probably my highlight of the episode, which is the scene where, you know, we, the rest of the group finds out that Michael was lying. Um, I thought, that was an outstanding scene. I don't know where you guys land on it, but I loved the way it kept kind of, you kept seeing the emotion from different sides and understanding it. You know, it's like, you know, you saw Hurley come to the realization, oh man, that me, did you kill Libby and Anna Lucia? And then you saw Michael and you could kind of feel for, I was like, you know, they, they were, they would never let me see my son again, you know, and you kept going around Then it kind of turned on Jack and everybody's like, why did you let us come out here, Jack? And, and it was just really an emotional, well-acted, well-played scene. And yeah. I'd, I'd say definitely highlighted by Hurley when, when Hurley has that motion moment where he just kind of said, you know, where Michael says, you know, it hurt, Libby was an accident. I, I didn't have time to think. And he's like, 
But if you did have time to think, you still would have done it. And it, it's just so powerful because, I mean, you know, these people are friends. Michael is one of their people. So the, the betrayal that Sawyer feels there, you know, Sawyer and Michael had built a strong bond. It was just an all-around great scene. Yeah. It was yeah, a very you, good scene. I, yeah, agree. I think you nailed it there. It uh, very emotional and uh, yeah, good performances by everyone there. Jack does a good. I mean, uh, uh, Matthew Fox does a good job too. So yeah. All right, guys. Well, well do, we, do you have anything else before we move on? Yeah, hold on. We almost missed the most important moment the of Charles the episode. Charles Dickens' boat. The book. No, no, that's that's good too. But the Hurley Bird. <laughs> The Hurley bird. Oh, come on. Are you one of those who believe it says Hurley? Okay, here's the deal. I I never thought this sounded like Hurley. No. But I watched watched it with, with subtitles. And it says Hurley. And it says, bird says Hurley. <laughs> <laughs> oh. so, I don't know. To me, that's pretty well confirmed right there. I don't know. It's oh, just a my. weird bird that makes a we, you, we eventually get an answer on the Hurley Bird, uh, all the way in the epilogue. But what a weird scene! Oh, I, yeah. I do, I do love the scene. Yeah, right after it crapped gold, you know, we had to get a, a few good uh, Sawyer isms in this episode. Yeah, because he didn't really have, he didn't really name call anybody this episode. Yeah, I, I, I was oh. gonna say right before uh, Kate turns the tables on the others. I believe that's when she has a conversation with Sawyer and they talk about, oh, or yeah, a little bit before that, how like they got caught in a net and <laughs> yes, Sawyer's like, good. what? You actually got caught in a net. I thought that was just a, that was good thing. And, and she's like, when he's, when do you talk to Jack about me or something like that? So couple, yeah, well, good. The, you know, they're set. Of course we got to keep working on the love triangle. It's very important. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, uh, we, you know, the, you know, you, you kind of mentioned love there and we kind of got the end of the episode where they see the electromagnetic not anomaly and they call Penny Woodmore on the on the yellow phone. And yeah. uh, we know she's been looking for him. So it's a it's a good it's such a such a tease like it they, they really do a great job screwing with us over uh, from this episode all through season three and season four, frankly, on the whole like Penny situation, like Penny and the boat and like who and Widmore. It's, it's really a fun, like math seat. Really. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great setup and I, I love that sequence there. It gives you a tie. It, this is a great episode where you actually have all this backstory, all this uh, flashback, and then it actually comes into the present, which usually you never have a flashback character then shown in the present time. And this is, you know, we have a lot of moments of, of Penny, and then we see her present day. She's got a picture of Desmond. She's looking for him. So it's really, really well done. It's really cool. Really good. Yeah, oh, so yeah. I think... One other thing I wanted to, or a couple other things, but to quickly talk about the biggest moment that emotionally for me, or one of the biggest that we haven't talked about is Locke's like speech about faith near the end, where I feel like we actually get a genuine 
a lot of a lot of Locke's actions really frustrate me as a big Locke fan, as I've said. Like this is like a very genuine like outpouring where you do like I sympathize with him because he talks about how, you know, I had faith and I believed I had a purpose and someone died and he feels like this remorse about Boone and like him actually opening up about Boone like that made me kind of emotional watching it and you you understand like he's so confused by his, his failure and he feels guilty about um, you know some of the stuff he's done did you guys did did that kind of help make you buy or did that really like kind of pay off like Locke's frustrating you know um, storyline here. I mean, I feel I feel like I've already kind of come around on Locked, where I feel like he, when, you know, when he walked out to the to the plane with Echo, you know, he kind of talked about Boone there. Like I feel like he, you know, he's been kind of recognizing what he did wrong with Boone. But to, to me, I, I was still touched by, you know, when he said, you know, finally admitted, hey, I was wrong, you know, at the end when everything was going crazy. Um, you know, that that's kind of the part that stuck with me uh, more than the Boone thing. But but yeah, certainly um, he, you know, it's good that he's feeling remorse about what, what happened with Boone. And, you know, he I think he just realizes he handled the whole thing, you know, wrong. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think, unless you guys uh, have an opposition to this, but, like, there's a few things I wanted to kind of, like, summarize with Desmond's story again before we just uh, kind of conclude the, uh, maybe the, the fail-safe moment. But just to bring up the Dickens book, you mentioned it, Mike, you know, at the very the very first scene of, or first flashback scene of this episode is him getting the book back after he's getting let out of uh, prison, military prison or whatever. And... It's, you know, what an interesting just st- storyism that could be in any sort of could be in literature or anything. But like a character who's saving a book for right before his death because he wants his last book to be the last Charles Dickens book that he's never read. It's, it's a cool little like, you know, fun, <laughs> clever thing. I, I love the I love the guard's response though. He's like, "That's a good idea if you know when you're gonna die. Other otherwise, yep. it's kind of a faulty plan." <laughs> yeah, and then we'd be remiss if we didn't mention we have our first scene with Widmore, and just one of the best characters on the show. Like I know he doesn't really he's not as important later on, but for the middle chunk of Lost, he is like so awesome and like just whenever he he steals every scene. Uh, run away, Desmond. You, you know, you're a coward. Like, there's just, like, powerful stuff that... Like, it still frustrates me watching him bring out all those letters that he, like, kept from Penny. It's just, this guy angers you right away. He's just so interesting, this wealthy industrialist. Who is he? <laughs> and I, I know I, I found myself frustrated, too, when Desmond talks to Penny outside the stadium and he has a chance to tell her, you know, right there. He could have said, hey, I did write you every day. Your he dad did. didn't give them to you, but he chose not to. And, it, you know, it's so frustrating. Like, why isn't he telling her this? Uh, I'll be back in a year. <laughs> I have to I'll get my you. honor back. <laughs> and that's when I'm running to Penny. So I think that's that's one of my favorite lines for sure. Got to get my <laughs> honor back. I don't know if it's a great idea to tell your girlfriend, like, 
just give me one year. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you've already given me some months here since I've been in prison. You can give me a year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people don't want to be left on red uh, for like an hour or two these days, much less like, hey, I'll get back to you in a year. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. And then a uh, question here. We talked about Elizabeth, the boat. Who paid the taxes on this boat? That's my question. Because if it was gifted to Desmond, that would be like a significant amount of money he'd have to pay to the government. <laughs> you think, what, which government? I'm not sure, but that's a little bit of a plot hole in this episode. I definitely don't think he has to worry about that anymore. <laughs> hey, once you're once you're out there in a in a year long race around the world, you know who's how are they going to find you? Who's coming? To, you know who's coming? Where the IRS isn't going to find you out there? Oh, whatever yeah. the scottish version of that is yeah <laughs> we also have a uh a, a sister which is a rare uh, desmondism when he's talking to claire a sister oh you don't want to he tells her like you know don't use the you might not want to the shots aren't going to do you any good or something like that right yeah i shot them up for nine nine every nine days for three years mm-hmm. <laughs> so. and then you get then you get him really sympathizing with Claire's deadbeat father. <laughs> you can tell Claire is yeah. just so ticked. And here, you know, Desmond's feeling sorry for the, you know, thinking this guy had good intentions. And, you know, that's not what Claire wants to hear. No, no, no. <laughs> is Desmond like the long lost brother of Marty McFly? Because, yes. <laughs> essentially, you know, Marty McFly, you, know, you can't stand if you call him a chicken. Desmond, it's like the same thing, but coward, you know. <laughs> uh, I'm not a coward. But it's, and that, again, it seems like such a simple thing running, like trying to not be a coward or running away or running to something in the love story. But it's just, it's so well executed. And it, it just shows you even like the simplest, oldest types of stories, like getting over fear. Um, and you know, following true love, they can be really effective, even on like a crazy, weird sci-fi uh, mystery show. So, yep. Uh, yeah. You guys have anything else? I don't. I know I don't. Not not so much on that storyline, but um, I do think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Walt. You know, this is kind of the end of That's Walt's true. story here. You know, we we finally get the you know, season one, Walt got stolen off the boat. Season two ends with Michael getting his son back on the same boat. It is, I think it's the same. It, on a boat. Yeah, yeah it, it's the same <laughs> boat. It the, it it's is. the same boat. It is yeah. the same boat. Um, you know, and, you know, it's a touching moment. It's, you know, something we, we wanted to see for a year. But then you you see their friends as they're driving away. You see their friends there, you know, with bags over the you know bags over their head or gags in their mouth and it's like this was the cost for him getting back to his son and it you know it's really an emotional time like you're you're so happy that walt gets his dad back but you know juxtaposed to you know what it took for that to happen and obviously we will learn the fallout from that in the future of the show yeah yeah i think that's another classic scene maybe one of the most uh, you know, chilling, just the lines that stays with you is Ben saying, 
we're the good guys, Michael. Like, it just, and he, you could tell he believes it. He's like, no, we are, we are the good guys. You don't understand. Like, you're, you're wrong. We're good. You guys are just stupid little people who crashed here. So, uh, yeah, awesome moment, and just so like, just it gives you this weird. The whole this whole storyline gives you these weird vibes as they drive off or you know go off in the boat. And the three of them are left there with the gags over, yeah, yeah, <laughs> over their mouth. And then they put s- sacks over their heads. It's just, it's intense, man. <laughs> you know, we, and we also we also get the the thing about the bearing, which is obviously going to come into play in later seasons too. You know, we've just seen Desmond say he sailed, you know, straight west for nine days, and you know, didn't come across any land. And here, you know, Mike or Ben is telling them. You know, take take this bearing and you'll get off the island. Uh, and, you know, we're left to wonder, like, do we believe him? Is is that is that what's going to happen here? Um, you know, we're not going to obviously find the answer out until what, season four, I guess. But bearing well, is three, inter- three, two, well, five. Get, is that it? You get three, introduced two, five, to yeah. the submarine, I think, next season. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. The man <laughs> from Tallahassee. We'll talk about the submarine. Uh, so. And, okay, the last thing I, I know, we, we should probably wrap this up here, but it's a, it's the longest lost episode, right? Quote, unquote, you know, it's not. <laughs> Apart from episode. the pilot and the season one finale, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think we have to talk about the book, you know, Desmond is going to kill himself in the flashback, essentially sitting at the table with a gun and he decides to open the book. And of course it's like, this would make me so mad. Like, Oh my gosh, there was a letter in here the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) It's been Mm -hmm. sitting here for years. I could have been looking at this picture of Penny. Like, Oh my gosh, like what the heck? So he finds the letter and he reads it and he's crying and, uh, you know, then he see he hears Locke pounding on the top of the hatch. And, yeah, so it's a really good moment. And and ties it back into the final, you know, moment there with Desmond and, and Locke is Locke is like realizes he's wrong after he smashed the computer. And you saved my life, brother. Now I'm going to save yours. That's so, right. Turns the, like that moment could have been so corny, like with him turning the key i love you penny but it just it isn't and it's uh, i i don't know, I'm just, it wasn't it wasn't as corny as we're gonna sail we're gonna win this race for love, for love. <laughs> yeah that was that was a little more corny so no you're right that was a that, 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 that was a good moment uh for sure yeah it would have irritated me to know that was in there the whole time <laughs> <laughs> so then we get the bright light I, I would say the only thing that doesn't hold up as well, I think, in this episode is like the super white light that just like encapsulates everything. Uh, it's like suddenly like a commercial, you know, when they're like standing on just like a open white area. It's It just it looks a little weird. It's like, OK, wouldn't. But other than that, it's only a quick moment. And they you know they kind of change the way some of these effects work in seasons five and six as they start to do more electromagnetic stuff but still awesome and the hatch falling down with the quarantine side the sticking in the ground like that's just classic it's just again action the hero thing. bernard 
Bernard saving the day. <laughs> yeah. Booyah. <laughs> and that's oh, been yeah. really depressing yeah, for... to have a dead baby. Oh, Steven. Dead Claire and dead yes. baby. We we were we were one Bernard away from having a really tragic end to this episode. Yeah, good thing. Good job, Bernard. <laughs> so bad. And no no Rose, which is unfortunate. I think we talked about that earlier. How she didn't have the availability wasn't great this season. So well, she 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 was talking to the other remaining Dharma members that went into hiding. Okay. All right. <laughs> Corey's like, we've been on this call too long now. Uh, so let's talk about our, 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 unless you guys have anything else. No, right. I, I don't think so. I think it's a good point. Good, good spot to in, move on. In memoriam, the one, the only, we're going to give it in memoriam to Kelvin Inman, even though he really wasn't a major player. Um, as far as like our maiden lost team, he's been in a few episodes, so we thought we'd give him an in memoriam. He just had. I, to... I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure we gave an in memoriam to the tree frog. So I think. I think Inman probably deserves one. Yeah, he just he just <laughs> couldn't wait to split out of here. Anyways, um... R.I.P. I, I think the <laughs> island wanted him dead because when you die <laughs> in such a weird like haphazard way, like. Yeah, Jacob. Uh, Jacob didn't touch you. He wants you dead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ray, one more. Sorry, oh, one more oh. thing. In memoriam, I don't know if you noticed. I have my Uh-oh. pin on here. You can see what that is. Oh, in memoriam Wait. to to the Swan Station. The Swan. We we won't know that for sure until next episode. Okay. Yeah, you're right. But uh, hey, we're gonna get more Swan eventually. But. Ah, oh, rest in peace. So many good memories. So many, so many good laundry detergent and a running hot shower, <clears throat> and a shower that can open your pores up when you shave. Yeah, make your own type Let's, of music. That's right. Let's write this mood. This write this episode. All right, one out of twenty-three. Rosinski's on the wall. How are we gonna rate this move? This episode out of twenty-three. Corey, what do you got? Well, uh, 23 is a great number. This is episode 23 of this season. How about 23 out of 23 brown ceiling stains? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's morbid. (laughs) This is just, I think it's a perfect episode. Like, the only thing that, like, the flash thing is a little weird. The scene with Libby is kind of corny. And, yeah, there's not as much action as other scenes. This is more dramatic episode instead. But uh, as the years go by, the more I reflect on this episode, I just feel like it gets better and better. Um, so has aged really well, I think. So perfect. I w- probably would have not scored this perfect maybe even five years ago, but I think it uh, deserves a perfect score. All right. Desmond. Desmond, brother. And Steven, what about you? All right. I give this one a 42 out of 23. Uh, oh, or, wait, are we? Are we not? Are we? Oh, we're just going one to twenty-three. So I'll give it a twenty-three as well. Um, this is my favorite season finale at the end of my favorite season. The the de- the the idea of doing a Desmond backstory for this, I think, really paid off, and I love everything about this episode. 
All right. Well, I'm going to be the oddball out here. I am not giving this one a perfect score. Um, I don't think I've given a perfect score yet, maybe to the pilot, but I'm not sure if we were doing I don't think we were even doing a rating system then. Um, I'm going to give this one 21 out of 23, and here's why I'm going to I, – I deducted a couple points. Some of the corniness between the, the, the Libby and Desmond – conversation kind of like rubbing the wrong way and then the fact that two of the others got caught or the hostels as desmond called them gets caught and get shot at and get killed when they're supposed to be this super sneaky you know group of people that never gets killed or that never gets caught um just a couple little things but it was not a bad episode it's one of my favorite episodes um but i just cannot give this episode a perfect score Sorry, I am the odd man on this one. Hey, hey, that's fair enough. I think a lot of people would agree with you. So, but it's got a lot of great qualities. It is one of the better finales out of the six we get. Um, so, again, I think ones. I think a lot of people would disagree. I think a lot of people don't like this one as much. Not that it's bad, but they just they might think it's a little bit slow or boring. You know. I, I will tell you, one of my favorite finales, and probably my favorite finale, is the season five finale. Interesting. They're all they're all really good. They're because all in the season, top. of course, we'll talk about when we get there. In season five, when the bomb goes off in the hole, and you get this white light, nobody knows what's going to happen. Like nobody has any clue what season six is what it was going to entail. Yeah, the only issue with that episode is the juliet quandary where she just like changes her mind with it's kind of yeah frustrating we'll get to that we'll We'll get get to to that that eventually but for now we are going to move on to our ending discussion here we do have again unanswered question and you're probably sitting there going hey they didn't talk about this well don't throw any dharma beer at your tv you're not watching some tv at your phone (laughs) at the wall because we're going to bring up the four-toed statue right now. Uh, yeah, we see the four-toed statue, Saeed, uh, and Sun and Jin. And it's never... Now, we do get to see that, like a lot about like the inside of, of this statue base, which we never would have expected is a home. And we see the full statue eventually in a very brief uh, flashback, our oldest flashback, perhaps... Um, maybe not quite the oldest, but we don't know who built it and why. It's isn't it like an Egyptian statue? Yeah, it's a um, towerette fertility. It's, we see uh, it. We God see it in season five. Is when we see it. it we we kind of readdress, you know, where it comes from, ish, a little bit. Yeah. So we don't. The unanswered question is, what is the origin of the four-toed statue? Which. I actually would say I don't really care about that. It, honestly, they gave I think they gave us plenty by showing the whole. That was cool. So yeah, any comments on I, that? I I gotta say I'm I'm a little uh, you know as much praise as I as I put on this episode. Didn't mention that this you know this was the thing that probably you know Lost has those kind of blow your mind moments. And that was the blow your mind moment in this episode for me. I think it was, oh my god, what is this four toed statue? Why does it only have four toes? 
I, I've always been a fan of, you know, the Seven Wonders of the World, the Colossus of Rhodes, any type of large statue I, I, I find interesting. You know, it's like, who built these things? Where did they come from? Uh, kind of a funny uh, thing that Damon and Carlton said, I believe, on one of their podcasts was that they had originally pitched that it had six toes. And the uh, and ABC said, you know, no, that's that's too weird. Uh, how about four toes? And there's like, that's fine. We just don't want it to have five toes. And we just want it to be different. <laughs> so like, they, they, apparently, six toes is weirder than four toes. Um, but whatever, whatever it was, this statue launched so many, you know, theories. And you know, back at this point in Lost, that was really the fun of the show. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's just so weird. And yeah, let's do it. Why not? You know, let's give uh, six. I w- actually funny thing about six toes. My apparently the ultrasound of myself is, you know, baby. Uh, they thought it looked like I had six toes. So they told my parents like, oh, one of one of his feet is going to have six toes on it. And then uh, I did not. I have I have five toes. <laughs> in each foot, so. <laughs> Worked out all right. Okay, do we uh, do we have any Sawyer's name dictionary? No, no, no nothing. We 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 really don't because he oh, did really. He was gagged a lot of the time, but no, he he didn't he didn't do he didn't do a lot of name calling. No, because remember they don't mention it, but he lost that bet. Maybe the bet is still going on, right? He's he can't do any n- nicknames for one week from the poker or or the ping pong. Um, I don't. I, I, I don't think we've got to that yet. No, oh crap! I'm talking about that's season three. <laughs> Dang. Uh, well, I was watching ahead. Uh, <laughs> you. See this? I can't. I shouldn't do that because it screws up like me remembering what happened in a season. Uh, I watched that last week. Apparently. Okay. So no. Then he just doesn't have any nicknames. Our freckle count is still at thirteen. And let's get into our pop culture connections here. So I'll go through these a little bit quicker. We have the international um, We'll Live Together, Die Alone is a line from the English language version of the famous socialist, anarchist, communist, and social democratic anthem. Uh, the international? Is that how I say that? Or na- yes. Yeah, okay. Um, and then we have our mutual friend. Desmond does not read this book by Charles Dickens because he wants to have it uh, for just before death since he's that big of a Dickens fan. So we like saving the lost finale for moments before you die. Yes. Uh, uh, Straight Man. In this novel by Richard Russo, William Henry uh, Devereux Sr. dies while reading Our Mutual Friend. So yeah, it could be a reference to that. Uh, The Turn of the Screw. Calvin tells Desmond to put the orientation film back behind this book by Henry James which it's still there when Locke pulls it out later, um, season two, uh, episode three, I believe. Uh, Voy Chesapete. Uh, this song is by Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Uh, is wait, uh, This is heard on the sound system of the Elizabeth. Oh, so that yeah, that's the song at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Desmond was getting drunk, uh, you know, rocking out to some Mozart, like good Scottish 
drunk, I guess. <laughs> uh, Chains and Things. This song by B.B. King is heard on the Swan record player. Uh, R.I.P. Swan record player. Spoiler alert. Uh, Ard... Oh my gosh, what is this? Ard... Ardu Furutani Watan, the land of two rivers. So just that's the this former Iraqi national anthem is sung by Kelvin, and then we have the A team. Sawyer quotes uh, B A Baracus. Television series Baracus. Sorry, when he says, "All right, enough jibber jabber, let's roll." The A team ran from 1983 to 89. Then we have, of course, uh, make your own kind of music. This song by. Mama Cass Elliot is playing at the tracking station. We hear that song several times in the series. Uh, Watchmen. Locke tells Echo that we're only puppets. Puppets on strings. As long as we push it, we'll never be free. In Watchmen, Dr. Manhattan comments that we're all puppets. I'm just a puppet who can see the strings. Oh, pretty deep. Uh, Desmond's drunken comment about being trapped in a bloody snow globe. Echoes in the comics uh, fascination with snow globes. The producers have mentioned, have commented multiple times on Watchmen's literary importance. And uh, Damon Lindelof goes on to be the creator, right? Writer or executive producer. What? He's the main man for the show, The Watchmen yes. on HBO. So another tie in there uh obviously it does the watchmen i actually haven't seen the show but the actual graphic novel is just like phenomenal the movie is okay uh but yeah that is it is a great uh, piece of work art sign of the cross desmond makes this hand motion before uh inserting the fail safe key if you guys don't know what that looks like and then we have chess uh the men living in the tracking station are playing this game when they notice the electromagnetic anomaly on the computer. Okay, you want to give us a right. tease of what's next to come, Stephen? All right. Well, next, um, we're going to take a little break from the episodes of the show. And next, we're going to take just a little retrospective look at season two, kind of look back on season two, see what we're looking forward to for season three. Um, so yeah, that that's gonna be our next. All right, all right. And if you want to know anything else about us, everybody, you can follow us on Twitter at uh, Retrosopt is the main feed. You can find me on Twitter at the DC Mike. You can find our show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook as well. Uh, Stephen, where can we find you on Twitter? I am at Lucky Thirteen Steve on Twitter. All right, and Corey, what about you? Uh, I am at Original Mav, and yeah, get on there. Uh, also, if you want to talk about the Snyder Cut, it's already out by the time you're listening to this, but I'm sure that yeah. Mike is going to be discussing that for the next six to nine months, uh, maybe six to nine years. So Of my life. <laughs> <laughs> it is coming, yes. yes. As of this recording, it has not come, but it is coming. Yeah, tomorrow, right? Or the day so. after or something? <laughs> Uh, but guys, check us out. Go to retrozap.com for uh, all the information more about our network and whatever you can find on there. So it's been a great season two. We'll kind of give our reach retrospective look next time and, uh, and our thoughts on it and what we had to look forward to in season three. So until next time, everybody, take care. Um, have a good one. All right. Peace out. Peace out.